Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week's subject, we're going to talk about how certain plan providers get things right. Uh, I always tend to focus on the negative. Let's focus on the positive and how some provi- plan pro- providers get it and they get it right. But of course, first things first, that 401k conference uh, in a few weeks, three weeks from the, when this episode drops, we will be in Miami, Lone Depot Park, home of the Marlins. Uh, special guests, we should get confirmation any day. Uh, I think the, right now it's Charles Johnson from the uh, Marlins, 97 uh, World Series champions. Uh, if there you know, comes an issue, we'll, we'll let you know. Go to that 4K site.com for further information, as well as the September 9th event in Seattle, T-Mobile Park. Looking forward to that one. Never been to Seattle. Been lots of times to Miami. Never been to Seattle, so I'm certainly looking forward to that. Go to that 4K site.com for further information. 100 bucks gets you in. Uh, stadium tour, meet and greet, lunch, five hours of content. And uh, game tickets, if you want to come, uh, it's up to you. 24th of June is going to be against the Mets. September 9th will be the Mariners versus the Braves. Uh, and, of course, let's get um, talking about this week's subject. Um, I started my own practice uh, 12 years ago because I was just frustrated. Um, I worked for, you know, TPAs. I worked for law firms. It just... I've had this bad luck of uh, being unsuccessful in terms of being with what I think are winning organizations. You know, we talk about in sports um, organizations, you know, teams win World Series and other championships when they have a good organization. You know, I'm a huge Rangers fan. I recorded this episode the morning after they won Game 7 of the semifinals for the Eastern Conference. They're now going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And hopefully they'll, you know, beat the crap out of my second favorite team in the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, um, you know, with the Rangers, it's organizationally, there have been times of greatness. Most of the times they haven't been. And this latest rebuild, uh, where for basically five years the team really didn't make the playoffs, uh, seems like they're getting it right. This is a team, you know, last year they make playoffs. Um, this is a team that's been playing over their heads, good young talent, and um, I have to say with my career, I never was part of what I thought were a winning organization, and I had enough. Um, when you're you know, dealing with poorly managed businesses, you, know, you just want to be uh, on a winning team. Um, and you know, the frustration is the realization that there are people that do get it right, and I've never had that luck where, you know, whether it's any organization I've been a part of. Um, and that's why um, I, I like things on my own. At least I could uh, uh, succeed or fail uh, on, on what I do. And, and a few weeks back, I um, had an event at City Fields in conjunction with my 50th birthday party. I had a, I had a big credit with the Mets. Last year, I tried to do a networking event last July, just... There was no interest, so I said, you know what, let me use it, buy a whole bunch of tickets in the Hyundai Club, and the Hyundai Club at City Field, um, really underrated seats during the week for 100 bucks, you can get a really nice seat and an all-you-can-eat buffet, and 
turns out they had pastrami. And if you know anything about me, uh, with my dieting, I've given up pretty much everything that I've ever liked. You know, I gave it, I, I gave it bagels pretty much about four years ago when I lost 40 pounds. It was making me pre-diabetic. I, I just had to give it up, and I did. And uh, over this last diet where I've been trying to get down to, you know, uh, south of 150 pounds, I gave up pizza, which uh, pizza is my favorite food. I've had it, I think, the last two months, maybe once or twice. But pastrami is the one thing I've just, I can't get, I, I can't, uh, I can't get rid of. But, you know, thankfully, uh, they had it at the carbon station. And uh, believe me, I uh, certainly ate my ticket uh, price worth of pastrami. But uh, I did invite people that uh, I've worked with at a certain PPA, um, CBS Retirement Services, formerly known as Mobius Tech. It's the first job I had. And uh, a couple of the people I invited were people that I, I met that they were plan administrators. We've been friends ever since. The company went belly up when Bysis bought all the plans 20 years ago. And, you know, we would joke still to this day about, you know, the, the nonsense that was going on and the mismanagement and whatever. And again, some things get it, you know, some providers get it right. And almost all successful plan providers have one trait. And that's doing good work. And, you know, the question is almost all. And the answer is, is ADP and paychecks are very successful as TPAs in terms of getting plans and revenue and, and all that kind of good stuff. But when it comes time to, you know, doing great work, um, they, they're not, they're, they don't do great work. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hear it from somebody who works there, you know, with all due respect, there has been a commitment to competence, commitment to excellence, and I will continue saying that until I change my mind, you know. Um, and I've changed my mind on plant providers um, over the years. You know, I when I first started out prior to revenue sharing, I was against the idea of producing TPAs. Now, with fee disclosure, producing TPAs couldn't, uh, you know, play games with uh, the uh, revenue sharing that they were getting. Those days were long gone. And um, I... All these years, uh, you know, writing articles about the payroll provider TPAs, the ADP and paychecks of the world, I haven't seen a change in the quality of the work. So I'll continue writing the articles. Next week, uh, you'll get another one, the 12th edition. can't believe it's 12 years already, but the 12th edition. Um, actually, I think it's the 13th edition, if you think about it, 2022, whatever. But the 13th edition of uh, the payroll provider TPA articles and why well, I think it's a bad idea. But anyway, uh, if you do good work, you know, people are certainly going to remember that. And they will use it as a referral for clients that need, you know, a good, a good plan provider. The good plan provider out there really has a, a good eye for detail, which means there's fewer compliance headaches later down the line. Um, when it comes to advisory work, obviously, you know, it's being attentive to the clients. Uh, you know, I, I will always remember the um, doctor client who was paying um, a broker 60 basis points to not show up, never meet, never meet them, not give any uh, plan education, plan participants, and just collect the trail. And, you know, those times have really changed, but there are occasionally people that do that. I think that uh, 
the business has changed where there's so much information out there about fiduciary duty and whatnot that those brokers who collect the fee and never bother to show up to see the client are, are few and far between these days. Um, I think that the marketing and the explosion of information on the internet in terms of um, you know fundamentals and fiduciary issues and whatnot I think it's really given plan sponsors the opportunity to identify what they should be concentrating on. So that's why you see a proliferation, in my opinion, of ERISA 330 fiduciaries, ERISA 316 services. The information is out there. Um, but again, you know, focusing on fundamentals, um, good plan providers can grow their client base. Shoddy work, obviously. Uh, on the flip side, is a great way for a firm's uh, churn rate. I, I always use the word churn rate. People don't understand what a churn rate is. Uh, a churn rate is, I, I, you, you hear it a lot. When I remember satellite radio when they would give you the free 30-month deal when you bought a new car. I, mean, I haven't bought a new car in 10 years now. But anyway, a churn rate is or attrition rate is obviously a measure of the number of clients moving out of a plant provider's customer base. So you can gain as many clients, but if you lose as many, if not more, you have a pretty high churn rate. So, you know, if you, you lose 100 clients, if, if people, I'm sorry, people, when it comes to plant providers, they will talk about all the new clients they get, but they don't talk about the clients that they lost. So if you gained 100 and you lost 100, you have a pretty high churn rate. Uh, relative, well, it obviously depends on uh, how many clients you have at all. I mean, if you you lose, a, you gain 100 and lose 100 and you have 10,000 clients, well, I, I guess you don't have a high churn rate. But the idea in my mind is shoddy work increases uh, a plant provider's uh, chance of, of losing clients. And I will always contend that payroll uh, providers like ADP and Paychecks have a high churn rate. Um, that means that they they may gain a lot of clients, but they're going to lose just as many, if not more. Good firms grow because they maintain their client and grow with new clients. As someone you know involved with the marketing aspects of TPAs, I will say it's a far easier to lose a client than, than gain one. Um, one of my bosses, the TPA, master salesman, uh, written a lot about him. Better not mention his name, uh, especially because he's a client today, but... I finally understand, uh, I probably understood about 10 years ago, but when I first started with him 20 years ago, I probably now understand um, why he got upset when, you know, he'd sell a plan and conversion or whoever it was or the admin would just screw something up because, you know, the getting, getting a client and Getting through the, the, the process is a long and arduous process, and it's a lot easier to lose a client than it is to gain one. So I finally got why he'd be upset about the smallest error, because his job was, you know, sales part of it. And, uh, you know, that's that's how it is. And another thing that, you know, plant providers get right, the good ones, um, being ahead of the curb. Um, I, I have to say that, you know, one of the reasons I wanted my own was just being tired of, again, working for organizations that just didn't see it. And um, 
you'd make warnings or you'd make announcements about you know certain things that should be done and I'd never hear anything back. And there's a running joke that I had. In 2006, uh, the Pension Protection Act uh, came into being and one of the big deals in my mind of the Pension Protection Act was automatic enrollment and the fiduciary relief that plan sponsors would get by implementing it as long as they use the QDIA. So, hey, we are producing TPA, and I said, you know, let me see. You know, we uh, we uh, we should uh, use that. We should do, utilize that tool. And my running joke is 2006, we're now in 2022, that TPA was merged out of existence in 2010, and I'm still waiting to hear back on that email. The, you know, the best plan providers out there are, are, are folks who identify trends in the retirement plan space and, and really are ahead of the curb. You know, um, I, I knew advisors that were using the 338 service in 2008, years ahead of other advisors adopting the model. Uh, James Holland, I always, uh, Millennium uh, Retirement, um, he was one of the few, first few people, probably when I first talked to him in 2010, that really understood it, where the business was headed towards fee transparency and fiduciary uh, protection and whatnot. And I remember him telling me a story way back when, when uh, a broker was losing a plan to him. Uh, James is based in North Carolina, but he's he's a Brooklyn kid. grew grew up in Gravesend. I'm a Canarsie kid. Uh, I don't really acknowledge that, but. He had a New York client that was going to sign up, and I think the broker, uh, in response, said, "Oh, this 338, this is all just marketing. Uh, it's more than marketing, but you know, uh, good marketing and, and good decision making uh, allowed him to be ahead of the curve. Uh, the curve. You know, there were obviously you know TPAs out there that were fully transparent on fees years before the DOL required them." Um, and I always remember Marge. Marge was the paralegal that I worked under when I got my first job with Harvey Berman at at, uh, at, at Mobius Tech, which eventually became Seabus Retirement Services Inc. Uh, Marge was a pain in the rear end, uh, just not somebody I, I had a great. I, I would often clash with her. She was just there's something very gruff about her, um, and I was you know immature at the time, 26 years old. A lot of things I could learn about and, and, and I learned a lot from Marge and, and one of the things that Marge always told me that uh, I will always remember is she worked in the retirement plan space pre ERISA. So she was a paralegal that worked, you know, late sixties, early seventies. And she told me, you know, there were a whole bunch of companies uh, you know, who, you know, after the tax reform act of eighty six there are a lot of plan providers who just couldn't deal with the change, especially when it came to defined benefit plans, and they just left the retirement plan space. And, uh, you know, I see that. I saw that with fee transparency. You know, fee disclosure regulations, uh, there was always that question. Are, are people going to uh, leave the business? And quite honestly, if you look at the insurance companies that sold their block of plans and TPAs merged and, and whatnot, you would see that a lot of people did exit stage left. I mean, you know, so many insurance companies decided they want to be out of it. And then that's why, you know, other providers became larger and larger because they bought these blocks of business. 
smart plant providers obviously change with the times. They understand that uh, the business isn't static. Uh, when I worked at Meyer Swazi, uh, the managing attorney, Lois, uh, would hear about my ideas for client recruitment through social media. She had, you know, she clearly had uh, an absolute disdain for me and my idea. Even making fun of her husband, who had a law practice where he used social media to generate business. And, uh, you know, needless to say, when I left, I, I knew that Meyer Swazi was, was going to be, I wouldn't say done for, but they were just going to have problems. And, you know, 10 years later, they're about half the size of uh, what they were when I left in 2010. And, um,. Well, another thing that you know, good plant providers get right is great marketing. Um, I think the vast majority of those that are doing it right are those that are very good at excellent. Uh, I'm sorry, very <laughs> they're excellent at marketing. Uh, as you should be aware, marketing is really the process of getting potential clients or customers interested in your products and services. Uh, in my mind, word of mouth from great work can only get you so many clients. Um, I remember years ago, I, I did a lot of marketing for the synagogue um, that uh, I was vice president for. And, and we get, got people interested in the Hebrew school. And then when I left in a huff, the principal who I couldn't, had no use for, uh, he made some snide comments that we didn't need marketing. We needed, you know, he didn't need marketing. He needed word of mouth. And of course, he took the synagogue's Hebrew school and 50 members, 50 students, they're down to probably like a handful now. Now he's doing marketing on Facebook. But years ago, when I started um, at Maraswazi, I knew that, you know, again, I needed to, to do some marketing because for some reason or another, even though a partner would get 50 cents for every buck of business from Arissa work from an existing client um, I just I just could get anyone interested uh, so you know if we had like a you know the uh, business attorneys the corporate attorneys if I got Arissa work from their existing clients they would get 50 cents uh, on the dollar for the legal work that I would bring in from their existing clients, the original attorney would get that, and, and for some reason they weren't interested. And of course, Lois blamed that on me. Well, maybe they don't want to work with you. Well, maybe, uh, maybe you have attorneys who are only concentrated on their own business and don't want to, you know, cross sell. So I focused on developing my marketing on, you know building relationships and, and one of the ways I thought about building relationships is let me create content that will get advisors and TPAs into disseminating my work as marketing pieces of, of their own. So for example, you had an advisor talk about fiduciary practices and they would say, you know what, Here, here's an article from this independent risk attorney. He's saying the exact same things that we are. Maybe I'll take a look at it. And uh, that's that's what I did. Problem obviously with the law firm was there was this law firm bureaucracy, so articles have to go through three levels of partner review, and um, the marketing department would also be stretched in by the law firm's like managing administrator, who was not a lawyer, who was pumping out uh, articles about law firm administration that never drew a dime of business. So it would take me six months to get an article done, 
and of course on my own, you know, six months kind of means 24 to 25 articles, 24 to 25 podcasts and whatnot. So again, um, when I started my own, the marketing and social media work allowed me to develop relationships with, you know, advisors and TPAs that I helped out for free by giving them, you know, these articles. And to me, great marketing is all about producing engaging material for your audience. So again, you know, everybody's got a different audience. I focused on advisors and TPAs and accountants and whatnot, not to go to plant sponsors directly. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, a good plant provider knows exactly who their audience is and they will engage with them. Um, and engaging material to me means something that's in a language that the intended audience can understand. So too often ERISA attorneys write in ERISA ease. They don't understand. They're playing over the heads of the people that you're trying to target and it's a, it's a hot mess. So um, my articles tend to be a call to action. Uh, they're focused on a call to action. Things that plan sponsors, plan providers should be doing that they're probably not. I try not to stress the commercial aspect of it. I think that that's kind of like spam, you know. Uh, people are kind of weird uh, in the sense that they just, when it comes to LinkedIn and whatnot, they just get too commercial, and I think that that throws people off. I just, I just a couple weeks ago, I wrote an article about you know what plan sponsors should be doing. All the guy did was tout his service by making a comment. And to me, it's like, stay away from that. I think the people should know what you do. And when there's a situation that warrants um, help, they will come contact you. And, and to me, um, marketing that comes out too much like, um, uh, like a commercial is going to be filtered out like spam email. Good plan providers also know how to keep good employees. You know, I've worked at places where I suggested that the front door should be a revolving door because of the huge turnover. And huge turnover, to me, is a bad sign for everyone. It's a bad sign for the employees that uh, that remain and the employees that they hope to recruit. It's a bad sign for clients when they need a scorecard that you can keep track of their contacts. You know, every six months is like a change. It's, it's a pain in the rear end. And a revolving door is really a costly endeavor. Uh, it takes money and time to find new employees and get them acclimated to their position when hired. The longest I ever worked at a place is the job that I've had now. Um, and, you know, there was a time where I had, in the space of one year, three different jobs. I, I worked at a TPA, then went to a law firm and, and flamed out after nine months where I went to another law firm. So that was that was that was not fun, uh, and uh, you know a lot of downtime when you're, you're going from job to job, and uh, it, it's a problem. And you know, to me, it says a lot to me when, you know, when I meet people or, or businesses, and I, I see somebody working twenty years at a firm. I mean, I, I never had that situation, um, and it says a lot about the place where they work when you find out that they've been there twenty years. Good plan providers are also great at training employees. Um, I've worked at places that didn't. I worked at places, you know, CBIS Retirement Services. They were recruited from Stony Brook, my alma mater, for plan administrators and uh, processors and whatnot. And the training they gave them was, was very little. 
and I used to always make a joke. Now, you know, in cancer culture today, I want to preface it in the fact that I am a first-generation American. So that means my parents were immigrants. That means my grandparents were immigrants. So when I used to joke, uh, they would, I would, I would, I would just say they would take these kids from Stony Brook right off the boat and just have them work and not give them training. So right off the boat, they weren't actually immigrants. There were people who just graduated from Stony Brook, but it's just a saying that I had because, again, child of immigrants, grandchild of immigrants, I felt that, you know, we didn't do enough training. So, uh, you know, that that's, that's a problem. And, um, you know, the problem uh, is that if people don't get the proper training at the beginning, they never get any better. So I've seen people who were administrators for 20-some-odd years, but because they didn't get the proper training because they got it right off the boat from college, uh, they didn't get training. They never got any better. Um, it, it's like driving, you know. You take good driver's ed, you learn the skills, and at the beginning, you're the good driver or you're a bad driver. And if you're a good driver, you're going to continue to be a good driver. If you're a bad driver, you're never going to get better. And I see that every single time in my neighborhood. I mean, Long Island has worse drivers than Brooklyn ever did. Because the reason why Brooklyn drivers are not very good, Long Island drivers are worse because they have anticipation that there is no traffic. So stop signs are optional. Four-way stop signs are optional. They don't understand how a four-way stop sign works. Uh, in Brooklyn, they do because there's always, you know, traffic and, and cars. You can never assume that there's not going to be cars in the area. And that's why Long Island drivers are worse than anything you ever see in the city. And, um, you know, good plan providers treat people with respect, pay them a good wage, provide them great benefits, and it goes a long way to keeping good employees. And I, I'm often reminded the pains about being an employee. My wife comes home from work every day. She's been working at this firm for a few years now. And she's just telling me stories. And it's just like, you know, I went through this. <laughs> difference was is I don't have to I didn't regurgitate all that stuff to her. I just kept it all in. And uh, I think that people, I, I, I think bosses fail to understand is that people want to be treated like they matter and are respected. And good retirement plan providers understand that. Um, and they understand that happy employees never really leave. That's why it's important to keep them happy. Last but not least, obviously working with other plant providers is, is, is you know, uh, good plant providers will realize that it's a relationship-driven business. How they work with their clients and how they work with other plant providers goes a long way. And developing relationships with other retirement plan providers goes a long way to helping with business and developing a reputation in the industry as someone to trust. I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. And I could count on one hand the number of providers that did treat me well in return. Uh, you know, it's I'm probably three or four. I had that one client who stiffed me on a $40,000 bill um, that I had to sue. Uh, they made the list. I guess Matt Hutchinson uh, conned me into being a fiduciary for the map that he didn't uh, steal from. And I got a lot of headache, a lot of fodder from my articles and books, but not a lot of pay. I think all my work, uh, the fee that I got was like 100 bucks or something. It was something ridiculous. But, you know, the retirement plan business is very, very close-knit. 
you screw with somebody, it will circle back. Um, you know, I, I always talk about the CPA that tried to screw with me on um, compliance work and uh, $5,500 and valuation for the year that they were paid for, but didn't want to pay for it because they were, you know, the work had to be done after they got clipped. Um, you know, that, that stuff is boomerang. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of plant providers knows who that TPA is because they have a big mouth. Uh, the DOL certainly knows about this TPA. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, you do bad things, people are going to talk about it. And, you know, negativity does better than positivity. You know, it's when I'm doing a podcast like this, yeah, well, these plant, plant products should be like this. But, of course, the negative aspect, you know, you focus on it, 99% uh, do great work, and you'll focus on that 1%, because that 1% is that, you know, just that betrayal and um, it goes farther and farther doing bad work and, and not behaving with other plant providers goes a lot further than, than doing your job and, and being nice and whatnot to people years ago I went to the brokerage office and was pulled up by the manager there that one of my former employers was barred from the office for stealing business from one of his brokers that was years ago and he said, well, so-and-so is not allowed in the office because he stole a client. To me, that's, that's sobering. That's, that's, that's eye-opening and whatnot. And it happens all the time. So good plan providers know how to work well with other plan providers. Bad ones uh, do not. Um, they don't. So it's really, really interesting. And um, that really what sets the good from the bad and the ugly. But uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, we will be back next week. And uh, please go to that for more for further information on all our live events, including Miami on June 24th, Seattle September 9th. We're probably going to Charlotte in November. Uh, we're planning on doing it in October. I think we're going to push it to November because there's a hold on the entire stadium because of the Charlotte MLS franchise. And I'd rather book the venue with an exact date than take it the chance that the event is going to be uh, pushed back. So anyway, go to that for more.kside.com for information on all our live events. And I hope that you're back with us next week for another episode of that 401k podcast. <laughs>